although I have been very begrudging and petty in my life, many, many, you know, and very angry and ashamed of myself and my behavior and, you know, whatever. And then I, you know, I get to forgive myself and move forward. And, you know, and that's, that is how it is. Those are the, you know, the changes we go through. And that's like the ebb and flow of life. And I always say, and I say to my students all the time, there is an ebb and flow in everything. You know, this one's being mean to you. And this one, you know, this one said something that it's like, right. Cause in all relationships, in relationship to self, in relationship to others, in relationship to your parents, in relationship to God, there is always an ebb and a flow. Sometimes yeah. you move closer and sometimes you move farther away. That is just how it goes. And if you're really lucky, you know, there's a rhythm and a flow. And if you can align yourself and if you can be in the flow, then life is much richer and much more peaceful than you're kind of trying to swim upstream. It doesn't work well. Campion Censored Podcast Season 3. Goodness gracious, we're in the double digits of our episodes. And this is part two with my dear friend Nancy Usum Steinberg as we continue to talk about the ebb and flow of life and the purpose of one's life along with their journey and their love and their legacy and it's just in a delicious conversation that she and I continue to have so and we're going to go really deep and talk about things that I've never heard discussed that I think you'll find really amazingly fascinating and just like wow who'd ever think that that would be a conversation to discuss but there it is that's a mystery tune in Join us, grab that cannoli, grab that coffee, because here we go. You know, a truth that we share is that going through things, you just have to hunker down and go through them. And it's yeah. hard. And it's hard. And you're going through something now that is hard. And I've gone through, you know, also, you know, different things that have, you know, been hard. And, you know, even you know, I've been married to Dove for a long time. I don't know how long we've been married, like 34 years or something, almost 30. You have to have been, yeah, 1989. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been hard, right? It's been great and it's been hard, but it's only now. We went through such a hard time for a few years there. I just thought, you know, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. This is just too hard. And I, but there was something in me that said, you know what, Nancy, this is just not, if that does not, it didn't sit right with me. It's like, this isn't who you are. You got to make this work. You can do this. You have enough resources. You know, you're, you're driven enough. You're empathic enough. You're smart enough. You lead with your heart. And where does that have to start? That has to start in, with the person that's the closest to you, even though it's really, really difficult. And yeah. now I can safely say, you know, that I'm so happy that I chose the hard road, not to say that the other road wouldn't have been hard also, and it, it's mm -hmm. in its own different way, but I chose mm -hmm. 
the road that for me ended up really bearing the most fruit. And, and I've been able to become such a much better person, um, you know, by just working on myself, working, working, working on myself. Cause you know what? You can't work on anyone else. It doesn't work that no. way. No, <laughs> I, 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 always say, I always say the most expensive therapist I ever had was, you know, the only person who can change is you and everybody else is either going to change with you or fall away. And the rest you have no control over. And so it's all about making, it's a series of events, decisions and choices that you make. And then it's the cause and effect of those decisions and choices you make. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes we make good choices and other times we don't. And then you're going to pay the price for those. And God knows I've paid plenty of prices for good choices and not good choices. And in some cases, you know, they've been life threatening. And in some cases, um, you know, not only have I been fortunate and probably guided by, you know, greater spirits that have went, oh, no, 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 you're not taking her anywhere. And I've survived and thrived and I'm here to teach. Thank God. You Thank know? God. Right. right. Because the closer you are to source and the closer you live in that connection, the, the richer your life is in every aspect. Right. And and, and you are here to teach. And I am also in, you know, in my own, not, not so globally, in my own little way, you know? but, um, but it's true. And it's, I think it's because we are connected to our creator and we are connected to source. And we do understand that, you know, we can take responsibility for all the decisions that we've made and for whatever comes with that, right. And, and move through it and deal with it and not, not in a begrudging and, you know, petty way. Although I have been very begrudging and petty in my life, many, many, you know, and very angry and ashamed of myself and my behavior and, you know, whatever. And then I, you know, I get to forgive myself and move forward and, you know, and that's, that is how it is. Those are the, you know, the changes we go through and that's like the ebb and flow of life. And I always say, and I say to my students all the time, there is an ebb and flow in everything. You know, this one's being mean to you. And this one, you know, this one said something. That it's like, right. Because in all relationships, in relationship to self, in relationship to others, in relationship to your parents, in relationship to God, there is always an ebb and a flow. Sometimes yeah. you move closer and sometimes you move farther away. That is just how it goes. And yeah. if you're really lucky, you know, there's a rhythm and a flow. And if you can align yourself and if you can be in the flow, then life is much richer and much more peaceful than yeah. you're kind of trying to swim upstream. It doesn't work well. No, and it's interesting that you use that, that illustration because I always use the illustration of imagining uh, a ton the tundra of a river in its finest balance where you can hear the water lapping and you can hear the birds singing and you can hear the leaves rustling and you can hear the beaver building its dam and all the things that allows for everyone and every bit of energy to be in its own balance and yet harmoniously combine creating this, this greater energy source. And when it's not, 
that's when we're out of alignment. And like the, 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 you know, when we talk about physics or the galaxies or what have you, all we are are planets shooting across the atmosphere. And when we get stuck, the atmosphere does not get stuck. It's us that get stuck right? by choice and consciousness. And even those of us who understand that science of the mind can get in our own way. And if we think of ourselves as energy source and, and our reason for change is always inevitable because we're always in movement, we have to always be in movement, i.e. flow. Because then when we are, then we're present for the opportunity. We're present and, and available for what is going to present itself for the greater good of all us, our loved ones, whomever, and that we don't have control. We just have to be in the ready position to, right. to be in the yes position. And I love what you said, you know, that picture that you paint, right? Because it really is such a full, vibrant picture. And it's the sounds and the smells and the textures and, you know, the heat and the cold and, you know, everything that's just, you know, happening in, in that picture, right? And that is always the picture that is happening. It's always the picture that's happening, even if you know, there are cyclones or tornadoes, or even if there are natural disasters, or even if sad things happen, or even if there's a meteor, whatever it is, that picture is the picture. Yeah. Right. And so focusing on that and having, and knowing that the perfection is not just in, in the vision, but the perfection is in what is actually happening in the being and it right it doesn't it doesn't necessarily look like you know the perfect picture right but it is the perfect picture it 100%. always is the perfect picture 100% yeah no it's oh it's so true and it's so interesting because when you talk about perfect picture and we talk about there's there's so much I want to talk about i mean i, I want to go back to 1989 when you met well, I don't know if it was 88 or 89 when you met Dove. 89. And that wasn't really, and it was, and, and you were, it, you were literally, I have a dog trying to get in here. You were literally, they're like, I want to hear more. <laughs> of course they do. Um, your marriage, you met Dove. Because at that point, you had decided, you had made a decision, being raised, you were raised Reformed Jewish, right? Yep. And then you came back from Israel, mm -hmm. and you made a decision. Yes, I did. Let's talk about that. So I went to Israel, and, um, and I learned a lot while I was there. I studied a lot for the year. I told you I was in these, you know, different programs and, yeah. you know, but also just walking the land and being in the land and learning, you know, just learning a lot. I decided that I really wanted to have a more religious slash spiritual life. And, um, and so I decided to become Orthodox and met and married a man who, who's all been Orthodox his whole life. And, um, and we can talk about that more, but I also just want to interject and say that I think in retrospect, 
while I do um, love, love God and love spirit and truth and creator and, you know, everything that is here as a result of, you know, our being created and being blessed to be here. Um, I do think that there was also a huge part of me that was looking for a container um, at that time in my life. Like I had, you know, I was in this very restrictive environment and then I went to college and there were no restrictions and I was a little afraid of myself. Um, I was a little afraid of sort of the rabbit hole. Yeah. If you will, and so yeah. um, I, so I found a, I found a place, and I found a life for myself that would give me rules, and would <laughs> provide me with, you know, kind of a container. And like, you know, it's interesting because even though I, I looked for that, and I found it, and I wanted it, you know, my husband will be the first person to tell you that I am the most unorthodox, orthodox person he has ever met in his life, and. I think it's true probably that anyone's ever met in their life and that, and, and there's, there's a lot to that. Um, and at the same time, you know, that was a decision I made and I, and I, and that's, you know, that's, that's what I chose. You know, I chose to just do something different. And I think that that also is kind of in keeping with my personality. Um, I always sort of chose to do something different. Well, I, I think, I think we all were like, wait, Nancy's doing what now? <laughs> I mean, I can't. I remember Tracy saying to me, so I just need to ask you again. My mother said, she said to me, my mother said, this is not a phase that like, this is a thing. You're really doing this. Are you really doing this? Mm-hmm. I said, I am. I'm, you know, I, I'm really doing this. I'm really, really doing this. And um, yeah, I was like, what? What? Yeah. Well, you of all people would it was the far, it was the farthest thing from what somebody would have expected, knowing how we knew you. Yes, yes, indeed. It yes, was literally a 180 degree turn. <laughs> it was like, excuse me, how do you go from this to that in such yeah. a like short amount of time? And nobody saw that coming. Not even me. No, but that's my point. I know that you didn't, and and that's. That's why I go to the beginning to come forward because I don't, I, you answered exactly what I thought you would say. Yeah. I think it was a lot about just being a truth seeker. Mm -hmm. You know, I was trying to find truth and I felt like, you know, I could go look in a million places, but this is who I am and this is what I have. Right. So why don't I just look in the place that was, is, is here for me is what I am. I'm Jewish. Like a, basically like being an archeological uh, dig of your own. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and er- unearthing a lot of shit. <laughs> some of it valuable and some of it not so much. <laughs> so, so I go back to thinking about your wedding my wedding. Felicia, you did my makeup. You're like, I'm practicing. I'm like, going to do the make. I, I was, and I looked great. If I could just say so myself, you did an amazing job. And I remember we were at my parents' house, their apartment on Chestnut. And um, yeah. And you were just, you were like working your magic. Making love to your facha. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. And I remember that was the first time that I had kosher food. I will yeah. never forget the spread of the kosher desserts. That was a great wedding. It was gorgeous. It was. It was really gorgeous. It was great. It was so much fun. I think we all had such a good time at that wedding. It was really like, it was. Yeah, uh, even though I felt out of place, I, I, it's, I mean, I, as a Jew, felt out of place because let's face it, you know, we know, you and I both know, I mean, I can talk about when you got me into, you know, cutting shakels and talk about, <laughs> talk about, it was my first introduction to wigs, but it there wasn't because I grew up with a mom who had all these beautiful pieces. So it wasn't my first introduction, but it was my first introduction to like taking these either very expensive or not very expensive pieces that represented something very important that I took to heart that I knew I had a responsibility and I took great pride with that. And I was honored to be asked. That's how you are in everything. That's how you are in everything you take. You, you know, it's funny because I, I think that you are like um, every chapter of your life, you are in fully and loving it and embracing it. And then you move to the next chapter and you're like, great, I am loving this and I'm embracing it. And then you move to the next chapter and you're like, great, I'm in love, I'm embracing it. And that is how you move through life. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, you know, of course there's ups and downs and of course, like it's life, you know, whatever, but you are someone who is absolutely able to root yourself in every, every chapter of your life and be very present and be very joyful in it. That means so much to me, Nance. It's true. Because in between those moments, I'm crying. Of course, of course. But you know what? You wouldn't be able to be you, you know, you have to have both sides, right? You, it's, you, you, you have to, but you know, you really, you really do dance through your life. You really dance through your life. And whether you are, you know, a chubby little ballerina or, you know, what have you, you have taken that little inner ballerina with you and you've been pirouetting through your life. You really have been, and you, so you know, and it should just continue until, you know, hundred God willing. And right. So, yeah. So, you know, maybe you felt uncomfortable at that wedding. Probably everyone did. And probably everyone thought I was like off my fucking rocker. And everyone was like, oh my God, what has happened to her? I think I had a few looks with your mom. Like, is this real? Like, is this this really happening? Right. Exactly. For this amazing wedding. But is this really going to like work? Is this really happening? Our daughter just like went, just took a major leap off a roof. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I think that that's so in keeping with my personality, with my personality, you know, I was just like, all right, now I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And, you know, and it's, it's a lot of sharp turns, but for me, it's, it's in my flow. In your character. My flow, you know, you know? Yeah. And then, and then how long, I mean, and then you and Dove had five children. Six. Six. Jesus, God, how did I miss that? 
six children. Oh my God, that's right. Oh my God. And then now- I came to California. I was with my baby. You were the baby. I was my I was with my baby who was engaged to be married. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And so when is that happening? Do we have a set date? They're on the slow plan. I have no idea. It'll okay. happen. But you know what? They're young. He's just turned 23. Oh. So he's young. He's um, yeah. So I so I have six kids, five boys and a girl. Have all the kids followed in suit with with the with commitment in the religion? Like no. No, I have one who is very religious and I have five who are not. How does that, how does that bear with Dove? Dove is in the flow. Dove is fine. Dove is, Dove is like, I don't know if he's just a miracle or a freak of nature. I can't figure (laughs) it out exactly. But these kids, so I'm, for me, I'm just like, you know, I followed my heart. I did what I wanted. You follow your hearts. You do what you want. Like that's the beginning and end of my story. I don't, you know, I don't, I know that in the Orthodox communities, there are a lot of people who really, really struggle if their kids are not religious. And I, um, but for me, I totally understand why they're not religious. I get it on a deep level. And, and, and truthfully, religious is a really, you know, bad word. It's very misleading. It has nothing to do with faith or spirituality or being in alignment with, with God, or, you know, it it doesn't have to really much to do with any of that stuff. And so my kids, um, who are amazing, amazing right I'm so sad though that I don't know them in the way that I feel I would love so much to enjoy you you would so you're gonna meet Esty this summer and I will you will fall so in love with this child she is not wait till I meet her she's she's she is um, a modern marvel she's unbelievable and you know they're all great in 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 their own ways and I yeah, I feel so lucky. And, you know, it's funny because my decades sort of stopped at the 90s, right? Because the 90s, I had a baby in 90, 92, 94, 95, 98, and 99. Those were the 90s for me. I didn't know what the hell was happening in the world. I didn't know. I lost complete touch with everything that that I knew, I, you know, okay. because how could, I was, how could you not? How could you not? Right? You're, and that was the mom. Of, labor and delivery, you know, that was it. It was just, I was nursing and the, I, there was, it you was just machine. all bets were off. I was a machine. I was a machine. And now, you know, I've entered a new stage of life because my, I have two grandkids, two granddaughters and a third on the way, the third grandchild due this summer. And I have two kids who are married and two kids who are engaged. And one who Benjamin Ben, he's a musician and an artist in California. He lives in San Diego, and he is yeah. he is. Um, I, I'm gonna get him there too. We're gonna we're gonna party like it's 1999. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. And um, and he is he's really interesting. He said, you know, he's like it's really enough for me 
I know myself very well and I can take care of myself. And that's, 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 I am just staying even doing my thing. He's a musician. He's a music teacher. That's his passion. It's how he earns a living. It's what he does. You know, he's a prolific songwriter. He's amazing. And it's, um, and he's very clear on, you know, who he is and SD, you know, she, she wants to get married and she will, um, when the right, when the right guy comes along, oh, but now she just turned 25. Oh yeah, like just now. So she's young, and right now she's um, she took herself to Costa Rica for a couple weeks. She's living the life. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She is. Did you imagine yourself having six children? Um, no, no, I didn't. And I also imagined that when I had kids, they would be girls, and I don't know why. And I'm such a boy mom. Um, you know, in, in so many ways. And I see how that was so much easier for me to handle, which I, I never would have thought it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's like just seeing the divine in everything, you know? So, um, like Esty said, when she was little, she said, I really wish you would have given me a sister. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, she would have been shared your room with you and someone to share your clothes with and take your shoes and hang out with you and your friends, you know, when you guys are, you know, just chilling. And she said, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I don't have a sister. So there you go. That was such an insightful comeback though, because I don't think that that would have been my comeback, but I don't know what my comeback would have been, but that was so smooth of you. Oh yeah. Well, it was like Esty, like she won, she was in class and she was sitting behind someone who was annoying her. I said, great, let's, let's call the teacher and see if we can move your seat. But before we do that, let's go through all the girls in your class and see who you would like to sit next to. Went through everything. And she said, you know, I think I'll just stay where I am. I said, great. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So well handled. That is so, let's pull back the curtain and turn over the all beliefs before we take action and analysis. But I want you to know I'm supporting you hundred percent. You want to move your chair? Sure. Yeah. Let's let's dissect that. Let's really look at that. So I want to kind of go back to the wedding and the marriage and, and let's go back to the wedding because it, this is part of what I want to talk about from the very beginning. So when you made that commitment and once you get married as an Orthodox Jewish female, you now make a, a commitment to covering your head. Yep. And a lot of people don't understand the why. I don't even know if I understand the why to tell you the truth. I think that there's, you know, there are a lot of things that they say that, you know, are come down that are the reasons women cover their hair, that hair is very sensual hair is um, it's like your voice. You don't, you know, sing in front of men because it's alluring and it's beautiful and hair is that way also. And so people say, well, if that's so, then why do you cover your hair with a wig? Why don't you just wear a hat? Or why don't you just wear, you know, why do you let yourself look beautiful or put beautiful hair on? Um, doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose? And I guess the answer is no, because you always know that this is something else. This isn't 
really you. Not that you're hiding, you know, I'm not hiding myself from other people. I am just reserving myself for the most special relationship in my life. Right. And that's interesting. So my it's a tough thing to do. Well, and it's interesting because being that, you know, I'm going through what I've been through recently and losing a head of hair like you, both blessed with really pretty heads of hair. Yep. You know, it, there's a lot of parallels, even though for different reasons. One is science. <laughs> I've lost my hair, not by choice, but by the reasons that I'm going through chemo treatment due to being diagnosed with ovarian cancer. You covered your head by choice because of marriage and and the belief systems that you follow or aligned with. And I'm curious when you started down that path, how it affected you emotionally, if at all. Um, I think that I was kind of on autopilot mm -hmm. at that time in my life. I, was I remember that. Doing the thing, you know, yeah. and I was like, I'm on autopilot and I'm religious now and I'm getting married to this guy and I'm just doing it. I'm just doing all this stuff and I'm like doing it. And I don't, I don't think I gave it as much um, consideration as I wish I had. Not that I would have made a different choice, mm -hmm. but I think it would have um, felt different to me. Mm -hmm. So now, I, I just try and look at it, you know, differently. I mean, I've tried, I've had a long time to examine this and, you know, and look at it like a long time. Right. And it's, yeah. um, and it's something that it's now, now it's interesting. It's almost just something that I do and it's not even, um, I'm almost less inclined to, actually cover my hair however I would never do that to Dove I would never say oh yeah now I'm going to uncover my hair I, I might do other things you know like privately or you know whatever um that are wait what wait, wait what did you just say it's not I might do other things you know that are in the privacy of my own home or you sure. know whatever um but out in the world I wouldn't disrespect Dove. I wouldn't embarrass him. And I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think that's really the, the operative question either, because I don't think I would want to uncover my hair, but I will say I, when I was in California, um, on a boat one time and I, and I uncovered my hair and I let the wind just like, you know, go through my hair and it was, it was, it was a brilliant moment. It really, really was. So I'll allow myself that, you know, at times. Well, so, so women make choices when they go down that road to um, start getting wigged and some cut their hair and some don't, right? Yep. Now, I know this is a personal question that you can say whether or not you choose to answer. I at it. No. What did you choose then and what do you do now? So I have a lot of hair. 
I never, um, I never got rid of my hair. I once cut my hair short and that had nothing to do with anything other than a whole nother story, but Esty was on um, a trip in Poland and it was, it, it, it was traumatic for me that she was in Poland and I was having a really, really hard time with it, a really, really hard time. And I, um, I was in a store and she said to me, um, I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And she said, oh, tomorrow we're going to Auschwitz. And I was like, oh my God, I couldn't, I literally, Felicia, I fell on the ground actually in the store and I got up and there was like a super cuts or something next to her. And I said, you know what? I got to go do something radical. That, then I cut my hair having nothing to do with whatever, but I've always put my hair in a ponytail and kind of just tucked it up under there. And now actually my hair is very gray, um, which I love. And I wanted to get a gray wig, except they are prohibitively expensive and I couldn't believe it. And so I didn't get one, but one day I hope to get one. Um, Cause I- oh, We should talk about this. We're going to figure this one out together. Okay. Yay. Cause that's yeah. really what I want. I really- you know, and as much as I can be my authentic self, I want to be my authentic self. So I've never colored my hair. I've never, um, except for that one time, cut my hair short. It's always kind of long and, you know, and I like it and I love getting out of the shower and shaking it out and, you know, being me and being free. And I know that there are many, many Orthodox women who, who, you know, they say never let the rafters of their house see their hair, right? They never uncover their hair. I am not one of those women, um, not that holy, just not, you know, like whatever. Not yourself, um, not. You know, so like my kids, even, you know, now my kid, when my kids are here or, or whatever it is, and, or I'm home, I, I never have my hair covered. I'm always allow myself that freedom in my home. So yeah. that's very interesting because having lost my, I mean, it was literally right up to your lion's mane, your lion's mane that, you know what? I've thought about it a lot, actually about your hair, because your hair, I don't want to say that, you know, so much of your identity was in your hair because I, that's just not true. Cause obviously you're, you are a hundred percent, you're authentic self with or without your hair right but that hair was such an identifier of you albeit physical and you know and could even say you know I don't want to say shallow because it's not a shallow thing right when we love something about ourselves it's just you know but it's it, it, it I think I think your hair like my hair I mean my hair also was really important to me. I had gorgeous hair yeah, gorgeous, you, do. you know, gorgeous, gorgeous, ravishing. Hair. And, um, and I miss it. I miss my hair. You know, it's not the same when you stick a thing on it every day and, you know, it just never, never looks the same. And I imagine that you really miss your hair and have, I'm sure mourned the loss of your hair. And I, you know, and I really hope and pray that it comes back stronger and better than ever. But I will say that your makeover was so awesome. I was like, yeah, I want to be able to do that. Okay. Get a wig like and do, I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. That's why you're a makeup artist. You know? Well, it's funny. I'm getting up for a second because here she is. Yeah. It's, um, it's outrageous. It's so I've good. done nothing to her. 
literally from the moment I got her, I've done nothing. I literally went to flip my head over. I put it on. I put on a hat because I still, because my roots weren't this dark and I would still color it. And I haven't done anything. I haven't cut the back the lace or anything, but be it as it may, gorgeous. lots of photos and, and my girlfriend and I who worked together for years ended up going, I said, okay, if there's going to be one person who I'm going to team up with, and if we're going to figure this out, if I even want to have this, you're it. Because this is a very vulnerable thing. I don't, I'm the only person who does my hair. I'm the only person who cuts it. I'm the only person that puts anything in it. I'm a very bedhead-oriented girl. The way you see my hair out in public, I've done nothing to it. And that is how I am. I don't use products. I don't put heat to it. I like, I really, I'm a low maintenance, but I've been like that since I've been doing hair since Beloit. Yes, you Massage have. Massage the head of hair and it should be all in the cut. Head of hair, that's right. Take it out in the shower <laughs> and be you. Right. I don't care how your hair is. Right. I'm that way also. I know you are. I know. I, people say, <laughs> do you color your hair so that, you know, this is the same. I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I remember, you know, when I was told I'd have to have chemo and it wasn't that. So here's the thing. When I had my surgery, when I got the diagnosis and, you know, and then I found out and here I like literally just been awarded one of, you know, a huge movie with a dream team, all the things here in town, all the stuff. I'm not even on the project one week when I get this diagnosis. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now. And furthermore, I had, you know, just dropped all this weight. I was in great shape. I had all these people coming up to me, especially because, you know, through the pandemic, you are and you aren't really seeing people because of the circumstances as we've both known. So now I'm starting to see a lot more people that I work with and I have a lot of women and men going, what in God's name have you done? It was like, you've turned back the clock of time. You've completely changed yourself. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just me. Like I'm, I'm Felicia. How, 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 how have I done this? It wasn't literally until I had looked at a photo of myself when I started that evolution, all because I had torn my meniscus, by the way, having nothing to do with vanity. It was all because I was trying to heal myself naturally. And I did not want to see an orth uh, a surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon. I wanted to heal my knee naturally. I want, I immediately made certain I got physical therapy in, a, in the pool. So I was doing, uh, being the water baby that I am, get in the pool, heal myself and it was a month into healing myself I was like I'm at the edge of the pool with my with my therapist and I'm like the little voice inside of me went bleach you gotta lose weight this is the only way you're gonna heal yourself is getting the weight off your joints like you can swim until the cows come home right but you gotta lose weight and I just quietly I didn't even tell Randy because I knew that he'd be like, oh, God, here we go again. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
And I didn't want to fail and I didn't want to have be in the spotlight and I didn't want to have any of that stuff. And it wasn't until about 15 pounds into my weight loss that I said, by the way, I made a decision that, you know, I'm, I'm going to just do my best to get rid of as much weight so I can heal myself. Because really what I feared was I couldn't hike with him and the dogs and I couldn't climb ruins and travel and I couldn't be free in my body. And having cared for my mom and been around a bunch of people between their 80s and 100 in assisted living and seeing how the body can decay, I was like, no, 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 no. Girlfriend's always going to be able to tie her shoe, roll out of bed, get in the toilet, get on and off the toilet, be able to dress myself, have the freedom until the day I don't breathe anymore. I'm, I'm free in my body. And I declared when we were young women that I was going to get like a fine wine. I was going to get better as I got older and I was going to master that. I don't know how. But that was my intention and my just I set that and I still have that intention. And it's not on vanity. It's that at 18, I wasn't wearing a string bikini up my ass. At 25, I wasn't. At 39, I wasn't. I don't care how good I was looking or what. And it's not that I'm still going to be putting a string on my ass because quite frankly, I, ooh, that sounds so goddamn uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, what? I'd rather just be in a nude centerfold than like be a painting from Rembrandt, you know, from a Renaissance, you know, sculpture perspective. But my point being is for myself, my health and well-being. And so I thought, wow, man, God, what is this? Really? I, I'm getting to this place where I'm like, starting to like really feel and sew my ass again and then this and now now thank god thank god thank god i have the surgery because when you get the diagnosis of ovarian cancer it's pretty much a death sentence for most women it, it's a, such an aggressive mysterious they don't even know how most women get it like they, they, they don't know. Like, that's why they genetically test you, which I will be getting tested for. But, um, and nobody in my family's had cancer. So it really is, you know, and I've survived papillary thyroid cancers, you know, four times. Right. But ironically, when you get papillary thyroid cancer, they say to you, ironically, well, if you're going to get a cancer, this is the cancer you want because you don't die from this stuff. Oh, thank you. Good to know. <laughs> and you also don't go through chemotherapy. I did have iodine radiation. You know, the thing that you go through is like your weight can fluctuate, which it has up and down 40 pounds over the last decade. So I could be, I was in great shape when I started that and, you know, go up and down. And then between working 80 hour weeks and traveling and taking care of my mom and all that, you know, next thing I know, and then going through the pandemic, there I am 200 pounds. And I'm like, who, what is going on? It's not like I hadn't been 200 pounds before and it's not about the number. It was about the discomfort. And ironically here I had launched this athleisure brand, you know, partnered up, launched this athleisure brand. It's all about wearing and sharing. And I'm like, I'll show my like, you know, from the crotch down, you know, just below the crotch. I won't show the full figure because what's going on for me 
just for me, is not comfortable. So when I hurt my meniscus and I got, the, you know, all this thing, and then I get the diagnosis, they say, you're lucky. Because when we went in, most women, it spread all over. When we went in to take all your female parts out, it was in two spots and we were able to get it all out. God. Thank God. And because I was such, um, because of the God willing that I had lost all this weight and I was so strong because I was working out and all the things, literally I was told that you, I could be bedridden for six to eight weeks. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And, and, and again, by the grace of God, and I'm, I'm hearing this a lot and I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to be bedridden for six to eight weeks? Like, I can't imagine. They're like, Felicia, you're having a hysterectomy. Like, this is a major surgery right in the middle of your body. And it takes people down, takes women down. And I'm like, and they're like, and you're going to need help. Like, you're going to need somebody with you all the time. And I'm like, Jesus, who's that going to be? Randy, as I, you know, driven workaholics, happens to just happen to have five weeks off at the very same time wow. of my surgery and post healing. Well, I wake up the next day after surgery. And they start to tell me, you know, by the end of the day, we need you to walk the hospital floor because of blood clots and the medication you're on. And I was like, well, let's do that now. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, let's get this catheter out of me now. I need to go to the bathroom and I want to walk the floor. And they're like, nobody does that. I'm like, watch me. Let's get this catheter out now. I don't want to get an infection. Get it out of me, please. I want to go to the bathroom. And I want to walk that floor. They're like, who are you? I'm a like, rock star. <laughs> that too. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I need to go to the bathroom. So can we get this catheter out of me? And that's why I ended up being released early from the hospital, which was when I went public and made that 11 minute hospital bed advocate for yourself post. And, um, and it was in my follow-up that I was told that, you know, I was asked, did you Google ovarian cancer? And I was like, no, I don't play Google doctor. And they were like, well, that's good because you would have, you know, you would have learned what really can happen to women when they're diagnosed. And then that's when they clarified again, my good fortune, knock wood. And I don't say this in a way that like, you know, I say this with clarity and belief because I'm focused on the positive of I am, this is, this is behind me and I'm cured. And I like you, like I'm a truth, I'm a truth seeker. And I like to be of truth. And I know I make a lot of people uncomfortable because I, I'm just like, let's cut to the chase. I have no time for your bullshit. So I'm not here to be bullshitting. Um, but that's what my oncologist said. And because of this, we want to ensure 
that nothing microscopically exists. And therefore, we want to do six rounds of chemo with you. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, now you crossed the line. <laughs> I have no interest in doing chemo. And they're like, we know you don't. But here's why. Because if you don't, we're afraid, you know, because it's so mysterious. We don't want it to show up. And you're lucky because when I had originally met my oncologist, and this was after four months of my going, something's not right, something's not right, something's not right. And literally what was happening, Nance, and I don't know if you know this, if I share this with you. I was literally, I didn't, I wasn't incontinent and I wasn't peeing in my pants, but and I wouldn't even feel it, but out of nowhere, I would be discharging little bits of, you know, moisture. And, you know, I'm working long hours on locations, all different places. And um, all of a sudden it was like, I'm having to wear something to protect my, my fabrics and my clothes. So I'm not, you know, and because I'm working long days and I'm like, um, excuse me, but I'm going to be very blatant. Scientifically speaking, my vagina is tight and nothing like, you know, like nothing's been altered down there. And if anything, I've just released over 50 pounds. So there definitely should be no reason. And it's not like all of a sudden my walls are collapsing. Something's not right. Oh, this is just what happens to women when they mature. Both fucking shit. And if that's what you're saying to women, you... How dare you? And that is not okay. And you know, because I was pre-med, like the only reason why I didn't continue in the pre-med, because I would have gone to be a doctor versus stay in the illustration part was because I couldn't afford to. I couldn't afford it. But I've always known in my heart, I'm a healer. I've always known like, you know, people come to me like, who would you go to? But, but, but all things, I'm an intuitive healer, all the things like, so I'm going to like, try to solve the problem or I'm going to talk you through it. And about a month later, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I start to see little bits of blood. Well, wait a minute, because since going through iodine radiation from thyroid cancer, I was thrown into menopause and I wasn't even menopausal when I went through that, meaning I was fully getting my period before all that started until radiation. I was still hoping to still get pregnant and have a baby. And we were hoping to still do that because the last time I was pregnant was 46, all natural. And unfortunately four months in, we had to make a decision because of an extra, extra chromosome. So it was very heartbreaking because I had been pregnant five times. And so, I hadn't had a period since, you know, Feb what was it, like February of 2012. I know I'm not supposed to be bleeding. And all of a sudden I'm like seeing blood. No, 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 no. This is something's wrong. I literally, my gynecologist who I've been with for a long time and who's a very smart man, 
I said, oh, no, no, it's just, it's just, you know, your vaginal lining is maturing and sloughing and, and, and we need to stimulate the collagen. And what the French do to do that is they go in and they do this laser surgery and it's three cosmetic laser surgeries and it's all out of pocket because it's not covered by insurance to thicken the lining. And I was like, basically, excuse me, what? So the 50, 60, 70, 80 year old Frenchmen can be fucking their women like they're 20 year old vaginal walls. What the fuck is this shit? But that's what it is. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And let's see if it works. It's a 50, 50 chance. Well, that didn't happen. As soon as I was done with the last one, I was like, give me fucking, excuse my French, imaging now. And I will never forget, I'm on a commercial. I'm in the middle of a parking lot in Glendale, California, when I get a phone call from my internist telling me he just got a phone call from the radiologist saying, I think your patient has ovarian cancer, needs to see an oncologist right away. And I, after four months of saying something's not right, got so mad. Yeah. I wanted to take everybody out. While I'm working, I am still doing a commercial while I'm handling all the medical stuff on the phone. And doing the and and literally like getting the top oncologists in the city lining up appointments while delivering this damn commercial for these people. They don't even know it. I am such an octopus. It's not even to be, you know, like I am octopusy at this point. Like I am just like <laughs> nobody's gonna stand <laughs> by the time I'm done. And um, you know. Literally, I was so fortunate to get this particular oncologist, this gynecological oncologist. So I said to everybody, you better give me the, the, the top gynecological oncologist I can lay my hands on. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm with some of the top, you know, we've got some of the top institutions in the world, stat. And I want in tomorrow to not only see an oncologist, this is a Friday. I don't, I want, I want my, my cancer blood work or whatever blood work needs to be done. I want everything delivered. So when I can get these appointments, ironically, the first referral I couldn't get in now, it's like the week before Thanksgiving, the first referral I couldn't get in until December 15th. I was like, are you effing kidding me? There's no way I'm waiting that long. And then this guy came to me, who's like the number one guy at Cedars. Who, who literally, because he saw my MRI, took me in. He was book solid for God knows how long. He went, I'm like, his people were like, can you be here on Tuesday? I was like, yeah, yeah I'll be there with bells on my toes. And um, the first thing he literally said to me was, I understand you haven't been heard. I'm here to hear you and I'm here to cure you. And I'll go back one step. His, his, um, his resident who saw me right before, young girl walks in the office. I take one look at her and I go, this girl looks like every girl I went to summer camp with. 
So she asked me a bunch of questions. And after she finishes asking me the questions, I um, said, can I ask you a question? She says, of course. I said, um, where are you from? She says, oh, I'm from um, the North Shore of Chicago. And I said, uh-huh, of course you are. I said, by any chance you go to summer camp? She, said, she looks at me and she's Stop. like, swear. She says, like, looks at me and she's like, yeah, I went to summer camp. I said, where'd you go to summer camp? She said, it was one of the Jewish camps. It wasn't the one you went to. It was another B'nai B'rith kind of, or, you know. Roma. Yeah, exactly. And she said, did you? And I said, no, I didn't go to any of the Jewish camps in Wisconsin. I went to a private girls camp and it was all Jewish girls. So let me ask you one last question. She says, of course. So where'd you go to med school? She said, I went to NYU and I said, oh my God, were you there when they finally, when they gave scholarships to uh, free up all the fiscal responsibilities of being a student? She looks at me like, who in God's name are you? Right. She was like, I was, I was my freshman year and my last two years recovered full ride. I was like, God love you. I was like, I'm so happy for you that you can just focus on doing what you're here to do. Well, she must have gone out because when he came in, he was so attentive to me. He was so present. He knew. And what I don't know that you, you may not know about me is that the year before the pandemic occurred, my internist asked me to go back to med school because wow. he said, we need doctors like you. And at first I looked at him like, okay, don't. I know you've got a really dry sense of humor, but don't pull my leg. He was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not pulling your leg. Seriously, you'd be out by the time you're 60, and then you could be practicing. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to put my family in that amount of debt, and, you know, but, but, but I'm really complimented that you think that highly of me. So thank you so much. So the whole chemo thing and the whole hair thing and all that stuff, when in my follow-up after my surgery, my oncologist was saying, you know, and we want to start first week of January. So it was literally one month after having surgery. And he said, and yes, that beautiful head of hair, you will lose within the first 10 days to two weeks. And I was just like, I don't even know how to wrap my brain around this. And he was like, I know, but I need you to do this so we don't revisit this anymore because right. you have a possible, you have the chance of being hundred percent cured. And I don't always have the opportunity to say that. And he's and like, and, yeah. And, and the thing is, is I'm saying I'm cured. Yeah, I know. I'm saying it too. I know you are. So, you know, I think it's an interesting thing as, as yourself, knowing what I know about you and being right there at the very beginning of your transition. And you talking about, you know, making a choice to cover your head because of the life that you chose. I don't walk around with my head uncovered. Rarely do I walk around with my head uncovered only in my house in front of my husband, ironically. And thank God he loves and accepts me exactly how I look. 
Right. And part exactly of how you are. Exactly. exactly you. How I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Loves me, accepts me for exactly how I am and are. And, um, you know, I just think it's an interesting parallel is my point. I know it's for very different reasons, but it's a very, and I can say to you, sometimes I just want to go and just take it off. Me too. Me too. And you know what? I don't know. It's right. It's so interesting. It's so like your story is so, um, it's such a powerful story. And one of the things that is so really, truly magical about it, I think, is that you had obviously no idea that this was going to happen, right? And so, you know, your knee injury and your meniscus, right, was the catalyst for you to lose weight. And the fact that you lost all that weight and that you were so much healthier and this, that played such a huge role in your being able to heal right yourself now and it's 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 you know it again it's just that flow of life it's like okay so this is happening to my knee I'm just gonna ride the wave I'm gonna go with it I'm gonna do the things I need to do to get myself to a place where I can be the person I want to be and it brings you to the next thing and the next thing is like oh so that had to happen so I could get through this in the best way possible to move forward and to be my best self and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, the hair and, um, you know, it's like, wow, just to have to have that vulnerability, right. Even, you know, and, and choosing to have that, you know, with your husband and how that much strength in your relationship and, you know, just to know that you can be your most vulnerable self right with him and that he's with you and you're in alignment with each other. And, you know, and I feel that way in my relationship also, you know, and like I said, it's not, you know, it hasn't been easy, but it's great. And that, you know, that is the person that I do uncover my hair for. And that is the person who gets the real me. Right. And that's the person who gets the real me, all of me, all of the real me, you know, And, um, and right. And like, it's such a blessing to have that kind of love in life that, you know, whatever it is, it's perfect. A hundred percent. It, it, it is art in the making Uh and ever creating. It is, it is the ultimate creation. It is. It is. Or something, right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my God, there's so much more I want to talk with you about, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with this. And this is a question that I know is a heavy question to ask um, and could be its own platform, but we're living in a time where, you know, it's funny. I'm going to say this regarding the hair. I was saying to my nurse practitioner and a few others, the irony is growing up as a little girl in temple we saw a lot of Holocaust movies. My parents didn't even realize the amount of Holocaust movies that we were being shown. A lot. And my brother and I talked about in more recent years, like how traumatizing it was to us. And, you know, we'd walk out and, you know, we would be the minority out there amongst the Swedes and the Germans and the Italians and all the things who were Catholic and Lutheran and Unitarian and all my friends, those are my friends. And I'd be like, 
oh, Jesus, God, like anything could happen in any moment, like anything can happen. Anyone, life can, history can repeat and da, da, da. You know, I'm thinking this at six and eight and 10 and 12 and 15 and none of my friends were having these conversations. So I'm like, I felt like an anomaly, like walking a path on my own. And um, ironically going through this, and I know it's not the same, it's the closest thing to my relating to those women who one day they were walking down the streets in their full regalia. And the next thing you know, they were in these horrible environments, which God knows I'm not. I want to be very clear about that. And then all of a sudden went through this hell and were stripped of all of the, who they were. Not because of who they were, because they were who they were but on a physical perspective. And here's the point of my question that I'm about to land on you with everything that's going on in the world. That was just recently asked of myself and it made me think of you. If you had to make a choice, whether or not you had to declare you're an American or a Jew, What choice do you think you would make? I would declare myself a Jew. Because America, and I have endless gratitude to America, endless gratitude to America for hosting me, for hosting the Jewish people, for, you know, for, for so many things. Um, and I'm so proud to be an American. And I have a flag outside of my door on my house all the time. I really, you know, I, I'm not a 4th of July girl. It's all year. We're in yeah. um, my essence, the, the core of who I am um, is, is Jewish. And, um, and I, um, I, so much of just my identity of who I am is, is, is about being Jewish. Jewish Judaism has such a, you know, a, an important, impactful place in my life. It is kind of, you know, my life. It is my identity. I am a Jewish woman um, who lives in America. I am mm -hmm. American also, but I am a Jewish woman. And wherever I go in the world, I am Jewish. Um, so that's how I would answer that question. Um, you know, proud American, proud American, proud and grateful American. Hell yeah, proud and grateful American. And I am, I am, I, I, I am a Jewish woman and I, and I, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been many things in many lifetimes. And I don't think that all of those have been Jewish mm -hmm. I don't at all. Um, I, I think I've experienced a lot of things uh, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways. And, um, and I think that all of that is, you know, incorporated in me into my soul. But I, I definitely also know that I have a very Jewish soul certainly in this lifetime and certainly um 
you know, I think from other lifetimes also, I think, I think it is, it is really my essence. Um, so, yeah. And, and I don't, I don't think that the answer surprises me. And I wanted to ask you one other question before we wrap this up. What do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. I want my legacy to be that I lived my life with integrity and truth and beauty that I gave everything that I had to give um, with a full heart that that whoever merited to see me right that that I was able to give them everything that I could give and um and I guess I just want my legacy to be that you know who however life goes or continues on that that essence of me is you know is my legacy I think that there is there's a lot about like also I think like the work that I've done in the world and um you know really have devoted myself to kids and helping kids who are struggling and you know and all that sort of stuff is is definitely like a part of my legacy but I think the legacy that I want to leave is something really pure um, unburdened and clear. Um, and I, yeah, I want it to be a legacy of, of love. I think that that is how, you know, that's how I lead. And we talked about it early in this conversation. And if that's what people can say about me, then, then I want, <laughs> you know, well, I know that there's a whole lot of other stuff that we haven't even been able to, and we can do this again. And I would love to do this again because this has been like one of the most delicious ever flowing, you know, full, like here we are two and a half hours later, Nancy, oh, we yeah. didn't even know how this is going to happen. I knew in my heart how this is going to happen. And I want to say to you, I couldn't be more fortunate have been blessed with the most beautiful human being who I can call my sister and my friend for most of my lifetime that though I don't get to see enough of I know walks with me hand in hand in my heart and you are such a beautiful gift to our world huh? <laughs> well Thank you. And I just want to say that I, I feel the same way about you. You are unbelievable. You are an inspiration. You are so impactful and you put yourself out there and, you know, it's not easy. It is not easy to do all the things that you do. And it's really, it's so, it's so unbelievable. And I feel so honored to be your friend. And I remember that day, oh my God, I'm just going to cry. It was so rainy. And you came to see me in California. And I thought, gosh, you know, like it's a really crappy day outside, you know, and you could have just been like, you know, it's raining and we could just talk on the phone or whatever, but that you, that you really like made the space and made the time says so much about 
who you are and to be able to be in the reflection of you is is otherworldly tremendous I had to feel my Nancy I had to have her in my arms and feel her deliciousness it was really I I don't even know if I ever told you how much that meant to me that you came that day I love you so much I love you so much thank you for 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 this this was this is great. <laughs> I love you. I'm so thankful you said yes. <laughs> Felicia had no clue what I was saying yesterday. I was like, what? What's happening? I was texting you. I'm like, are you going to be recording this? Is this, is this a thing? Like, what's happening here? Are we having a pregame? Are we just like aiming? Like, what? <laughs> no, because I know if I don't record it, it will miss all those precious moments, which is exactly why we do this. So I couldn't be more grateful because this is a very beautiful, rich conversation we just had. It is. And it's so great that this is what you do, that you do this, that you, that you really like get people right into this space to go to the, to the, to the tough places and go to the beautiful places and go to the places that people don't really talk about in our day-to-day as we're moving through, right? We don't get an opportunity to have such depth in our conversations. And wow, it's, I'm mind blown. Well, I'll just leave you with this, you know, being the kids that we were raised around the Tonight Show and things, and I used to sit on the edge of my seat and laugh with the Johnny Carsons and the Toady Fields and all those things. And I was just, I couldn't get enough of every little bit everybody's talking about. And, you know, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you were with me. If you were with me with Chuck, um, you remember Chuck, whose family um, opened up McDonald's in in, in England? Chuck Ray. Were we in Water Tower Place together? Yeah. Oh my God, do you know that that day I hand wrote a letter to Oprah and slipped it under a door because she moved across the hall? She did, on the 57th floor, I remember. (laughs) Well, girlfriend, I wrote my heart because I always wanted to do what all these people have done because I really love people and I'm curious by nature and I really do love connection and conversation. And I don't know where these platform, this platform is going, but I'll be damned if it's not going to go somewhere. And I believe as time goes on, this snowball is just going to grow into its own avalanche of greatness. Oh, it's going to be archived in the Library of Congress. Totally. There you go. Here's <laughs> that. Amen to that. I love that affirmation. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> From Water Tower Place to the Library of Congress. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't beat me uncensored. Here we come. Here we come. Make room for me. Make, Make room. room for me. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you so much for your time. I told you that that was going to be a crazy ass conversation. <laughs> didn't see that one coming did you well listen i cannot wait for you to join me next week it's such an incredible conversation that i sit down with joe green 
a friend of mine that goes way back and has lived a fascinating life and does some really amazing things in the world. So come back next week. But in the meantime, we've got a library of content on all listening platforms that can be reached out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, now on YouTube. You can't miss it. So check it us out, listen in, so many different subjects and people interviewed, and where we <laughs> talk about everything. There are no subjects of anything we don't discuss, and where the spirit is young, and the soul is wise, and the life stories are vast, and we love to talk about everything from soup to nuts, or what we like to say from cannoli's egg in the holes, and don't forget the s'mores. Join us around the campfire. The Camp Fifi Uncensored podcast is here for you all. Much love. Bye for now.